Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, whenever you are. I'm John. This is the American Christian Podcast and video. So, today we're asking the question, did Jesus actually claim to be God? Um, I like to talk a lot about the just the divinity of Jesus. Um, you'll see if you go to my YouTube page, you'll see that I actually have a couple videos on that very topic. Uh, and it's stuff that I'd like to actually re-record to put on this podcast. Um, but this is just another question I haven't quite gotten to yet, so I wanted to talk about it. You talk to, um, say, someone in Islam, and they believe Jesus isn't God incarnate. They believe that he was a prophet, and he was a very good prophet, a prophet of Allah, but he isn't himself God. He isn't God incarnate. He's not God in the flesh. You talk to, say, a Jehovah's Witness, and they believe he's Michael the Archangel, the first greatest creation, but they don't believe that he's God. Um, so when you come to this topic, I'd like to say you can't go wrong in talking about the divinity of Jesus, but at the same point, you really can, because if you get it wrong, you're in trouble. If you get this wrong, then you either have a false Christ or no Christ. Really, either way, you have no Christ. Um, not only that, but you're also denying an aspect of who God is. Because if you're denying the triune nature of God, if you're denying that Jesus is himself God incarnate, then you're actually lying about who God is. So this is actually a very important question, and I think that this is something that every Christian should be arming themselves to defend. So, I have a few different passages that I want to look at, but uh, I'm not going to completely exhaust the scriptures of every detail of when Jesus claims it himself or makes some form of reference, um, but I'm going to give a few really good ones, uh, at least ones that I find really good, that I feel you really can't question when you actually understand what's going on. So, Jesus, he makes claims in different ways. So, first off, there is moments where he comes right out and says not not only does he say i am god but he actually takes on the divine name of yahweh himself which is the covenant name of the jewish people or of the god of the jewish people i should say um so there is times when he does that there's also times where he takes old testament truths about god himself and applies it to himself claims that can only be said of God, and it's applied to himself. Now, of course, you read through the New Testament, and you see that the New Testament authors attribute these things. You go to, say, John 1.1, 1, 1, or you go to Colossians 1.15, and you see that that's what you see. But uh, the question is, is Jesus, in his teachings, actually making these claims? Not, does the Bible as a whole teach it, which it does. Um, but we're asking the question, did Jesus claim it? Another way that he claims these is simply by his miracles. When you look at his miracles, you see that this, these aren't things that a mere prophet can do. These aren't things that just a created being can accomplish. It has to be done by God. Um, whether it's bringing the dead back to life, whether it be forgiving of sins, there are aspects only God can do. So, we're going to start here. We're going to look at Mark 2, and basically what we have 
is Jesus, he comes into Capernaum and he goes into the house and he fills the house. People are there wanting to hear him speak about, yeah. So, I mean, it's just a, it's a full house. This is every pastor's dream. So you come to verse five and it says, well, actually I should give a little more background. So these people, these specific people come up, these four people, and they bring in their friend. He's a paralytic, and they try to get him into Jesus because they know Jesus can heal this guy. Jesus can heal our friend, so we're going to bring him to him. But they get there, and they can't squeeze through the door. They can't even get into the house. So they decide, pretty rational, let's dig a hole in the ceiling and just drop him in right in front of Jesus. He'll be happy. He'll heal him. Um... Yeah, so it seems sounds a little bit weird to me. Like, yeah, let's just, you know, break into his house, destroy his roof, and drop a paralytic in front of him. He'll be okay with that. Um, it turns out that he was actually pretty okay with it. So now we go to verse 5. And it says, And Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all, all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So, what happens is... Jesus, he sees them, he sees their faith, that they're willing to do go to such extents just to get this man laid before Jesus. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now the scribes that are sitting there actually say something, and usually when we look at the scribes and the Pharisees and we go, don't you know this is Jesus? And we just kind of pawn it off and we don't really think about what they're saying. But what they claim is actually true. They say, why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That is absolutely true. There's no reason why they should not have thought this, given their position. They didn't understand who Jesus was. Now, if we they were to say, already have believed, this is God sitting in front of me, well, they wouldn't have questioned that because, as they said, God can forgive sins. But they're completely in the right for asking this question. They're completely in the right for saying, Jesus, if you're not God, you can't forgive sins. It's blasphemy. It is. Um, you look at Isaiah 43:25, and Yahweh says, I, I am he who blots out transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. I think that this one actually really applies well to this specific miracle because not only does it say, I am he who blots out your transgressions, but he says, I do it for my own sake. And what do we see here? We see Jesus says, 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So what he does is he specifically says, I can forgive sins. I'm going to prove this. Now I have said this, I'm going to prove it by healing this man. This is what Isaiah 43 is talking about. He says, I'm going to blot out your transgressions. I'm doing this for my sake. I'm doing this to prove myself, so to speak. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's forgiving the sins and he's raising, he, or he's healing the man and he's doing this to prove a certain attribute about himself. So through the miracle that he does, he actually gives evidence to his identity. So next, we're going to look at Mark 4. We're going to look at 35 through 41. When that evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. After they had dismissed the crowd, they took Jesus with them, since he was already in the boat. And there were other boats with him. Soon a violent windstorm came up, and the waves were, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that it was being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, so they woke him up. So they woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care? We are perishing. Then Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the sea. Silence, he commanded. Be still, and the winds died down, and it was perfectly calm. Why are you so afraid, he asked. Do you still have no faith? Overwhelmed with fear, they asked one another, Who is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. So here we have another miracle of Jesus, one that's pretty well known. And what does he do? He calms the sea. He calms the storm. Now, is this something that a mere creation can do of himself? Now, people have pointed, at least I've heard people have pointed and go, oh, well, when you look at the Old Testament, there's prophets who cause rain and stop rain. Well, that might be true, but it wasn't actually them who did it. They had to call upon God in order to do it. So it was God who did it, but they did it. he did it through the word of mouth of the prophet. That's not what you see here. You don't see that Jesus gets up and says, in the name of the Lord, or anything like that. What you see is Jesus gets up and by his own authority commands the winds and commands the seas to be still. So what does this mean? Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. O Lord God of hosts, who is like you? O mighty Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. You roll the raging seas. When its waves mount up, you still them. So this is something that a Jewish, in a Jewish context, they would have understood. Like God is the one who stills the steed. He's the one who's in charge of the winds. He's the one who can calm this. And then Jesus comes out and does it himself. So we have another miracle where he's taking an attribute of God specifically and actually not only saying that he can do these things, but proving, actually evidencing, doing it himself. So that's another major point to make. 
like when he actually comes to his miracles, it doesn't say that God is just doing this through him. It says that he himself is doing this. It's by his own authority. The people you read throughout the Gospels and you see that they say he teaches like no one that we've ever known. They, he doesn't teach like the rabbis. He doesn't teach like the uh, Pharisees. He says that, or he teaches by his own authority. This is what you see when you go to the Mount of Olives or the Mount Olivet Discourse. When you're looking, what is he saying? You've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. So he's not coming at it from, well, Rabbi so-and-so says this and that. No, he's saying, no, I'm saying this. This is me. I have authority to say these things. I have authority to set these things in motion. These aren't things that a mere prophet of God can do. These aren't things that a mere creation can do. A mere created being can't come and expound so deeply on the very law of God to say, no, this is how this is supposed to be interpreted. You have all had this wrong. At least not to the extent that Jesus has. So now we're going to look at John chapter 8. And a lot of Christians are aware to some extent about this passage. They at least know the one verse, John uh, eight fifty eight, And before Abraham was, I am. And we take that and we point back to the Old Testament and we say, see, look, I am, that's the covenant name of God that's used in the Greek Septuagint. So that is when Moses asks and he says, who shall I tell them has sent me? And God says, I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. Um, but actually, when you look at John 8, you have even more than that to back you up. So, when you read John 8, first it starts, Jesus is telling them, I'm going away, where I go, you cannot come, but you will die in your sins. So, just flat out, you're going to die in your sins, and I'm going away. You can't come with me. You're going to stay here. You're going to die. That's just how it's going to be. You're going to stay here. You're going to stay in your sins. That's where you're going to be. And so verses, so then they come and they ask him, is he, or then they come, they ask themselves, is he going to kill himself? They don't really understand what is he talking about? He's going away. Where is he going? In verses 23 and 24, he says this. Then he told them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. That is, that is why I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So unless you believe, Hotiego I me, is the original language, you will die in your sins. Now that is actually way closer, first off, to the language that God gives Moses when he says, Tell them that I am has sent you. Tell them, Hotiego I me has sent you. That's what we actually have here. So we have an even closer uh, quote from Jesus. But of course, they don't necessarily get it yet. So the story goes on. But you see, when you start there and you keep going, you're going to see they eventually get it. It clicks in their head. 
So let's keep going. So they start asking him, who are you? And Jesus says, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. What I've been telling, I've been telling you who I am from the very beginning. I've been telling you what I am from the very beginning. He says to them, he says he has much to judge about them, but that, that basically that's not the purpose for why he's there. He's not there to bring judgment, at least yet. He will eventually, but at this point, that's not why he's there. And then he tells them that you will know who I am when they've lifted up the Son of Man. So he prophesies his crucifixion in this. He actually tells them that this is what's going to happen, and after that, you guys are going to understand exactly what I'm saying. You guys are going to understand the claims that I'm making. Um, so, and then after that, it says that many believed in him. Now, as you continue reading on, you see that this isn't an actual true belief in the sense of how Christians are supposed to believe. This isn't like a true faith. This is, but they believe what he's saying. But you see, as you go on, you see that he makes another claim and they get super offended at him. So clearly they don't believe him enough in that sense, they don't actually tr believe truly what he's saying. They just like it so far, essentially. So after this, he says, uh, Abide in my word, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then they go and they get offended, and they say, We're offsprings of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. And this is actually a little bit humorous when you consider where they're at currently. They are currently enslaved to the Roman Empire. They're not free. They're actually bound to a secular nation at this point. Well, secular in the sense that it's not a Jewish nation. So they are actually in bondage, but they completely overlook this idea. Um, but Jesus, he actually doesn't even go that route. He says, no, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But Jesus, we're children of Abraham. We have one father, even God. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You are children of your father, the devil. If you were children of Abraham, Abraham seen my day and he was glad. And they say to him, you're not yet 50 years old. How did Abraham see your day? And this is when we come to verse 58. He says, Truly, truly, I tell you, Jesus declares, before Abraham was, I am. And then it clicks. They get what he's claiming now. And it says that they pick up stones to stone him. Why are they picking up stones to stone him? Because they understand the claim that he made now. He made it already and then in verse 24, that unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And now, as you continue out, and they hear the claims that he's been making, you see in this passage, he says, I am the light. He's making all these different claims that can really only be said of God. And now he says it in the light of, nope, you guys are bound to sin. Now we're offended. And he says, Abraham seen my day. So he actually goes back to one of the <clears throat> very ancient fathers of the Jewish faith and says, no, he seen my day and was glad. And they're like, Jesus, 
you're not even 50 years old yet. How do you think Jesus, or how do you think Abraham would have seen your day? He didn't see your day. You must be crazy. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I tell you that before Abraham was, I am. So just because, you know, yeah, I, maybe I'm not 50 years old yet, but before Abraham was, I am. Ego, I me, which is to say, I am, I exist, I am present. So before Abraham was, I'm already present. Before Abraham was, I am, I exist. So I existed before Abraham. And unless you believe this, you're going to die in your sins. This is a clear reference that you cannot pass up. He is taking on the very divine name of Yahweh himself. You can't get around this. Jesus is making a specific claim here to not only be a God, as, say, Jehovah's Witnesses would say, the created God, he was exalted. And this isn't the God in the sense that Mormonism teaches when they teach of a highly exalted man becoming a god of his own celestial planet. That's not what this is. He's actually taking on the divine name in the Jewish context of the covenant name of Yahweh. This is something that they would have understood. And that is why they pick up stones to stone him. So, yeah. One more I'm going to leave you with. And this is actually something I thought was really interesting. So, one verse that I, well, one, two verses that I actually like to use when I'm evangelizing, when I'm talking to people, is Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the hearts. I examine the minds to reward a man according to his ways by what his deeds deserve. This is one that I bring up because it's really easy. You start talking to him. And while I think I'm a pretty good person, I think when I, you know, if I stand before God, he's going to see my heart. Yeah, but is that a good thing? You know, I... That terrifies me personally, just because I know that in Christ I'm a new creation, but if he's looking at it based on me, I'm in trouble, because even being in Christ now, I still have sin issues. You know, I'm still not perfected. I'm still waiting on God to perfect me, which that's not going to come until the resurrection, you know, so, and you know, and I talk to these people, and this is one thing that I like to bring up, you know, do you really know what your heart is? Because the scriptures say that basically we have no way of understanding it. The only one who really understands our heart is God and God alone. This is something that should terrify us. But uh, yeah, so this is one that I've sit on a lot. This is one that I like to talk about. So I was reading through Revelation and I hit this part and I thought to myself, man, Jesus could not have been more clear here. So, here it's Revelation 2, and Jesus is instructing John at this point to write out these letters to the seven churches in Asia, yeah, Asia Minor. And uh, he gets to this one, and it's to the church of Thyatira. And basically, 
Jesus is like, yep, I have some things I'm happy with you about, but I also have some things against you. I'm upset with you in this area um, because there's a specific woman who is leading some of your congregation astray into sexual immorality. And, uh, yeah, so we come to verses 21. I'm going to read 21 through 23. It says, Jesus says, Even though I have given her time to repent of her immorality, she is unwilling. Behold, I will cast her onto a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Then I will strike her children dead, and all the ch churches will know that I am the one who searches the minds and hearts, and I will repay each one of you according to your deeds. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? I about lost it when I caught this the first time. Like, I was just shocked. I was like, how have I not caught this? How have I not heard this elsewhere? You know, so Jesus comes and he says, nope, I'm going to judge her. And I am going to strike her. I'm going to strike those who lay in the bed with her. And it says, all the churches will know. He says, all the churches will know that I am the one who searches the minds and the hearts. Well, who is the one that searches the minds and the hearts? Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. I examine the minds. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I am the one who searches the minds and the hearts. And then he goes even further and he says, I will repay each one of you according to your deeds. And what does verse 10 in Jeremiah 17 say? It says, I, the Lord, search the hearts and examine the mind to reward a man according to his ways. To reward a man according to his ways by what his deeds deserve. Jesus could not have been more plain here in taking an attribute that was about Yahweh alone, an attribute that was about God, and applying it to himself. It can't be more clear. Now, of course, like I said, this is not anywhere near an exhaustive list. We could go on for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not intending to give you an exhaustive list. I'm just putting out some of the ones that I think are the most convincing. And, you know, take time. Get into your scriptures. Hopefully this is an encouragement. You can get in there and you can actually find these things. It's all over the place. When you read Jesus' teachings, you can see the authority that he puts out is authority that only can come from God. When you look at his miracles, you see that these aren't just, you know, not all of these are just miracles that a mere prophet can do. You can listen to the claims that he makes and you can say, nope, a created being cannot make these claims. A highly exalted man cannot make these claims. This is not just a prophet we're talking about. This is not just any man we're talking about. This has to be God incarnate, and Jesus himself says so. So, if you enjoyed this episode, you can find me at anchor.fm slash American Christian. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash American Christian. Um, I'm also on Spotify. Uh, you can like the podcast on Facebook to keep up with the show and share it with your friends. Um, you can contact me with questions, comments. Uh, you can do this by a voice message by going to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-O-R 
anchor.fm slash American Christian. Um, or you can also message me on Facebook. Like I said, we have the Facebook page up, and you can message me there. I will do my best to get back to you on any questions that you have. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening. I'm Jonathan Kiewit, and this is the American Christian.